0: from Full Body genetics, but most importantly, Upgrade Mentality, Episode 9 with my great friend David Sebastian. For you that know and don't know, David Sebastian is the owner of All uh, Sweet, a pastry shop who focuses on a specialty, okay, a specialty uh, dessert called kurdush. It's a Hungarian recipe from Transylvania. David, welcome to Upgrade Mentality. Thank you, my brother. So, uh, for those of you that know, those of you that don't know, me and David have been good friends now for at least 10 years, right? Almost 10 years? Almost. Almost 10 years. We used to work at a shoe uh, shoe shop called Little Burgundy in here at carf in Laval, at Carrefour Laval, okay? And uh, we became great friends from the start. I've always considered him to be my little brother. And one of the reasons why he's invited today in this podcast is because it's an entrepreneur podcast, not just for entrepreneurs, but also for business owners and people that love business. And we want to talk about his pastry shop, but also the origins, how it got started and all, all right? So, David, first question. Let's go.
1: Talk to me about yourself. Where are you from and your background? So, uh, like the pastry, I'm Hungarian. I was, uh, I was born in Transylvania. Uh, we immigrated here with my family when I was seven years old. Actually, the day after my seventh birthday, so... Oh, wow, the day pretty, right after? Yeah, right after. It was okay, pretty nice, special. Nice gift. Nice gift, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so now uh, we came here with uh, seven, eight uh, Hungarian families, Hungarian-Romanian families uh, uh, from Transylvania. And uh, and so I grew up, uh, I grew. we stayed two years in Montreal, in, uh, in Côte d'Élysée, where all the mm-hmm. <laughs> immigration uh, Immigrated families come, and uh, then we moved to, to Laval uh, two, three years later. And so I grew up in Laval, very uh, middle class, you know, uh, very, very nice neighborhood, uh, regular school, regular uh, high school, made a lot of friends, and that's pretty much it.
0: Uh, you're, so, originally, you're from Hungary.
1: I'm from Romania. Romania, sorry. Yeah. You're from Romania, but you're Hungarian uh, origin. And that's right. Because right? Because... Uh, we're going to get to it, I'm sure, later with the pastry as well. But in, uh, in Romania, there's a big minority of, uh, of Hungarians as well. Uh, you know, borders change uh, with, uh, with different uh, world wars and everything. Uh, so there's a lot of lot of Hungarians in Romania.
0: Okay. And you, I remember you telling me your
1: parents owned also their own business. What did they do when they first arrived here in Canada? That's right. So wh- when we moved here... <laughs> yeah. So when we moved here... Um, we uh they started working uh well my mom worked in the in the textile industry in the in the textile industry my dad uh started in that too he was mostly working in commerce uh uh before we came here uh but they they started working you know at really uh, regular jobs they are so i i'm like i heard uh, your parents too they had the uh, uh, two jobs sometimes uh, you know to uh, to make uh, ends meet uh, they were uh, they were cleaning at the, at houses on, on the weekends. <coughs> so really um, they, they started like that and my my dad moved into uh, the the airspace uh, industry uh, which is very uh, very big here in Montreal. Uh, my mom stayed in the in the in the mud uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. la mud and then, uh, well, one time they had an opportunity to buy a Polish uh, little deli uh, in Montreal, in the Côte neiges uh, area, actually, where we, where we first stayed when we came here in Canada. And uh, so they purchased that, that little store. Uh, they brought in the Romanian and Hungarian products. And um, that's pretty much uh, what we did for almost, uh, I think it was about four years. Uh, but then my mom sold it. Uh, different health reasons and everything, so uh, but it was a really nice time uh, to uh, to bring you know Romanian and Hungarian products and we still kept the Polish products for sure uh, and uh, and we had a big clientele of east Europeans uh, that that were coming to see us uh, on codeage okay
0: cool. so seeing that your parents are entrepreneur because the most, not all. Most immigrants that come to Montreal, okay, they don't. They don't want to become entrepreneurs, right? They want to work the nine to five. You know, they, yeah. they 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 want to make money, but working for other people. Your parents had that entrepreneurial side. What did you What did you remember? What did you learn young from seeing that side? So what What uh, I guess
1: what I want to say is, what attracted you to it? Well, firstly, I think it's uh, it's. I think while while. Why people who who immigrated here in uh, in, in Canada uh, they don't necessarily take the entrepreneurial route is sometimes because they don't really have a choice you know they have to provide their fa- to their family and um, but you know my my parents uh, they were courageous enough. Uh, I think like many people uh, who immigrate as well to, to start their own little thing, uh, you know, see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for them, it d- didn't necessarily work out as they wished. Um, they, they had really good success. Like like I said, they, they, they didn't stop because it wasn't working. Uh, but I think that's that's mostly why people don't really uh, take, take time and t- t- have the courage to, to start because it takes... Already a big courage to come to, yes. a, to a new country. Yes, for sure. Uh, you don't necessarily speak the the language, and um, you, you just you know try to make it. So for sure, it's a, it was a couple of years later that we arrived that they that they started uh, their, little, their little business. Um, but yeah, they what, what really it really inspired me. You know that they. First they inspired me, I I realized that for sure later when I was a little bit older uh, the sacrifices they had to make to come here and then uh, I saw as well the sacrifices uh, they had to make when they had the, the business. Uh, for sure, you know, Christmas was very busy. Uh, didn't spend a lot of time with my, with my parents on, on Christmas when, uh, when we had that store. I think that really affected my, my mom, especially at that time. Yeah. Uh, my dad still kept his job, uh, but he was certainly a lot with my, with my mom at the store, you know, delivery, delivering stuff, uh, buying their, um, products, products. Yeah. So, um, my, I think my mom really, really found that hard to, uh, at that time, uh, that she didn't have, spend much time with uh, with me um, when, when I was younger uh, during those years. Uh, but you know, it's uh, if you if you don't try, you never know. So yeah, um, for sure. So I was, I was, uh, you know, I was still proud of them that they tried uh, because, uh, like we said, not not many people gonna gonna try. Uh, a big challenge like that. Yeah, for sure. I'm asking because uh, it's pretty impressive that
0: your parents came, uh, already immigrating to a country is already tough it? on, on yeah. one side and then opening your own business even tougher. Right. So it's impressive to see and today, seeing that you're an entrepreneur, you know, you probably took examples out of that. Absolutely. Um, so how did you become interested in making, uh, Kurdish, those big goods and, um,
1: what inspired you to make them? How did you came about them? How did you discover it? Uh, so, well, for sure, when I was uh, when I was younger in Romania, we always had them uh, on uh, at Christmas markets or just uh, events in the city because it was really it's a really specialized pastry that people uh, would make on mostly on bigger events. Uh, when I was younger, there weren't really a shop open of uh, Um in my city, it was really like I said uh, on bigger events, festivities, um, events in the city. Uh, so people would come; they bring their all their equipment, their recipes, and they would make the the pastries. Uh, so it was really something related to um, to nice parties. Yeah. And um, after after uh, uh, traveling with my with my girlfriend in Hungary, and then we did Transylvania for a couple of weeks. Uh, for sure, I. I I made her test the uh, the Kalach in in Transylvania, and um, so we had we had that uh, during that during that trip. And when we came back, uh, I remember we were doing the the backyard uh, at my parents' house, and it was always my mom who, who'd come up with these crazy ideas. And she said, "Oh, I think uh, I think I'm going to tell your dad to make a kurtischkalács oven uh, in the backyard." So. Um, because you really need like a special, special, uh, oven with, uh, traditionally they're made on charcoal, uh, with, with a little motor that turns the pastry as it bakes. And, um, I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I started <coughs> thinking about it and I was like, you know, mom, if I think if, if we do that in the backyard, I'm going to, I'm just, just threw that out there. I said, I'm going to start a business of it. And we just laughed about it. Uh, I remember we were in the kitchen and, uh, but soon after, I, I started realizing, you know, there was only one person who was making this pastry uh, in Quebec, uh, but he was still making a, like a... Uh, low supply? Yeah, low supply, a uh, smaller scale. And, uh, but there was not really a, a shop open like you would see Mr. Puff or Beaver still. You know, it was, there was no shop open with this pastry. So I said, and I saw um, a company who, uh, in, in Toronto who, was, who, were, who were making it, um, they seemed pretty, very successful. I, I saw that people enjoyed their products. Um, so you, I said, you know what, why not try it here in Quebec? Uh, so I started researching about the, the equipment that I need uh, from Europe, because everything I had to import from, uh, from Europe. And uh, that's that's how it began. Uh, I, I started importing the machines. Uh, we found a recipe uh, with my mom from Transylvania because uh, she helped my mom, my grandma, who lives with us now. Uh, they helped us uh, help me a lot uh, with the recipe. We we almost worked, I would say, about four five four six months uh, on the recipe to you know oh, perfection. Wow. Just it. the recipe, yeah, right, exactly, because I I really wanted a traditional recipe, right? Um, so. And she's since uh, she had a background with pastries, you know, from from the deli, um, she had a really good, you know, luggage to of of yeah, knowledge to uh, yeah, yeah. to transmit to me. So I was never, I, I was never a baker. I was never, uh, you know, I I, I like cooking, baking some from time to time. But I would say, I wouldn't say it was my passion i would say i was more passionate about businesses about companies about uh you know bringing a new product to the to, to the market and i always i always opened uh, i always wanted to open at least uh, at least a business i, I didn't know what yet uh, but you know it, it's uh this opportunity came to me and uh, i said why not uh, capitalize on it you know for sure for sure uh, <laughs> Tell me, what are the origins of the kurdush, the Hungarian pastries? Yeah, so, like I said, in Transylvania there's a big minority of Hungarians, right. and, um, and it was really them in the mountains who started making these pastries, again, uh, at, at really important events like uh, weddings, uh, Christmas markets, mm-hmm. markets in general. Uh, in Eastern Europe, they're very popular, and they traveled a lot uh, all around, eastern europe mostly but now it's starting to get to to the western part of europe as well uh, but it's very popular in uh, in prague as well they're called trdelnik uh, over there um, or in romanian the romanian name is cozonac uh, sequiesk but i would say i would say <laughs> a lot say, longer yeah a lot more
0: difficult to remember
1: i, I would say i would say um, even 95% of my romanian clients they know it about the kurtosh kalach name or just kurtosh um here in here in Montreal so that's really how it started uh, already like three four hundred years ago Wow three four hundred years ago what's crazy
0: about the Kurdish is that um, no offense to Eastern Europeans but when we think about sweets right we always talk about Western Europeans right mm-hmm. so like the Greeks the Italians the, the Portuguese you know we have a lot of desserts you know we have a whole culture about making desserts right uh, however, in Eastern Europe, it's more like the meats, right? So, absolutely, you know, absolutely. like the sausages, yeah. the, the everything that smoked meat, you know, that's like really not known in Eastern Europe. But we didn't. I never knew about the kurdush before you showing it to me and making me taste, which is an unbelievable taste. If you guys have never tried it, I highly suggest. Okay, all sweet, all right, it is, it is incredible. The taste is incredible. It's really unique as taste, and also the the texture also is. Yes, yeah, the t-
1: texture is pretty. Uh, I think it's really in the in the baking process. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, traditionally they're made over charcoal. So the and before before baking the pastry, uh, we roll it into sugar. Right. Uh, we put a layer of sugar on top of the dough, and that sugar caramelizes as it bakes, wow. so it gives it a, a crunchy outside mm-hmm. and a fluffy inside because it's like a brioche type of dough. Right. So uh, and r- what really people. Uh, like about this this dessert is that it's not fried that's the most uh, important thing and it's never never fried and that's what really differentiate us of uh, other 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 businesses uh, yeah, here in Montreal sure. we have a lot of pastries that are fried you know and gives a really uh, heavier taste, heavier to, the, taste yeah. to the to the product but ours really people what they they enjoy when they see it because it's pretty big ours that we make it's about seven inch tall but in, yeah. in Eastern Europe they're even bigger wow so like my uh, Romanian and Hungarian uh, clients they always tell me that it's too small. <laughs> my 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 French French uh, and English clients they, they tell me it's too big. So <laughs> like nobody's satisfied at Never, happy, right? that. that's Never right. satisfied. So um, that's right that's really the, the special um, special uh, special you know taste to yeah. it that like, it's crunch on the outside and fluffy inside.
0: It's crazy because the texture is really, really unique. And also uh, in mind with the texture, it's also like the, the, the flavor, how good it tastes, right? Uh, even if you just grab the original one, it's just amazing. But we're gonna get to that more, uh, more in the future questions. Um, so you ordered your, you ordered your stock from, from Europe, you got them here, you started baking, you found the recipe with your mom and your grandmother, Now, after all that's done, six months to a year, remember, it was like six months to a year, it took you for all that. What was, how did you start doing the pastries and what was your first
1: big event? So, um, you know, we always say that people uh, uh, underestimate and overestimate time. So when I first got my machines, I was like, I I think I got them in June and I was like, okay, in July, I'm going to start, you know, my first festival at Parc Jean Drapeau. And, uh, it's funny because like when it arrived, like I said, we only worked on the recipe for four, four to six months. So we never got to that festival. <laughs> so, uh, I would say for one year, almost I was, I was, I was testing and, uh, um, that's something I, I, I learned with the with the process as well. I, I'm really so, somebody who's a perfectionist, so I, I always wanted something, you know, the product to be perfect. <coughs> but you know, uh, really uh, important people around me they told me, okay, not, you know, now you have to make that, you know, you have yeah. to make the taste uh, taste make taste them with the people. And uh, so my first event, I would say it was uh, it was at my florist shop. Where I, I used to work, I was a delivery guy there, and um, uh, my boss Carole, she she's like my second mom. This is the flower shop that yeah, you the used flower to work shop, at. yeah. And uh, Carole, who who was my my boss, like I said, like my second mom, she was always pushing. Okay, we're gonna do a little event for for when she started selling her uh, her Christmas trees, and uh, so we we put up a tent there in front at. Uh, I remember I was, like, so terrified with, with that first event. And I'm like, we're not, we're not ready. And, you know, I was, the first events were always with my family, or even, I would say, all the events with my, with my family and my, my friends. So people around me really, you know, called me down, and uh, we learned so much together. And uh, that was, I would say, my first event. My first big event was, was then the, the Parc Jean Drapeau uh, event uh, called Weekend du Monde where a lot of uh, cultures, different cultures uh, from Montreal, you know, uh, get together and uh, uh, it's very very nice. You can taste food from all over the world. Right. And, um, you know, that was a, a huge success to us because I remember we were uh, right next to the Beaver steel trailer and you had maybe like four or five people mm-hmm. th- in front of them and uh, we had a line of about 45 to an hour wait in front of our tent. And so like, that really showed me like, the potential of the products right. and people really look for something different, something new. And uh, I think we can really offer, offer them that with her products. So the, the, that, that was a big uh, first festival for us, the Paris Jean Drapeau. And then after that, we, from, from there, uh, you know, we, we made some, I made some contacts uh, through that first festival that I still have today uh that put me in at different festivals in mm-hmm. montreal at uh, the olympic stadium at the f1 um, we 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 were having a event there but that got canceled from going right. but everything but anyways you know it's really go putting yourself out there and um just doing it, man, that's uh, it's most
0: important, yeah. It's crazy because you were talking about time, right, and how you underestimated time, and you're like, oh, well, next month I'll be ready for my first for big sure. event. Yeah. And then you realize you're like six, eight months, you're like, holy shit, like I'm so far off from what I thought I was. And it's crazy, we often think when we open a business or when we start a business, when we start a product and stuff, we're like, okay, like we're in this, Kind of generation that we should like, you know, we click on something and we get it right away, right? This clickbait yeah. kind of generation. But we realize fast in business that doesn't work out like that. Like That's you can right. have a solid idea and think, okay, it's gonna take me two months, ends up taking you a year, year and a half, two years, you That's know what right. I mean? To to get your, your product out and stuff, and never underestimate the time and always try to overestimate your time like that. You 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 know, you don't make fake promises, okay? Um so
1: now you own you have your own place, right? That's right. You have your own place. Where is it exactly? It's on Rachel in on, uh, on the plateau, and um, so it's uh, really close to La Banquise or mm-hmm. Maupin Mouillet. Um, we have a lot of clients coming from there right. for their desserts. So it's uh, I, I think it's a good spot. We didn't like your brother said uh, in his podcast. Uh, location is uh, is really the key for especially for a new business. For sure. So uh, that's why I chose that place. I really, I, I was looking mostly on, uh, on Plateau, yeah. Okay, and so tell me, how does it work, David? So I come inside your shop, tell me the process. How does it work? So when you come inside, for sure, what, what was really important to me in the, in the shop is that uh, I put the whole uh, baking process and the making process uh, in the front. So you can even see it from outside in the window. There's a little sticker that says, uh, see how it's made because I really make the pastries in front of the people. So, you know, it it's, it really sparks their curiosity from, from outside. Yeah. And when they come in, you smell, yeah, exactly. You smell the the caramelized sugar for sure um, during the baking. And then you see the whole process of when we put the sugar on top of the dough, we bake it. And then we put the topping of your choice because after the caramelizing of the, the sugar, the sugar becomes sticky and that's how we can stick one of the six toppings that we, we offer right now. You know, like walnuts, hazelnut, cinnamon sugar. And um, then we, uh, the client receives it uh, fresh, always fresh, freshly baked. Nice. And how many flavors do you have? So now we have six flavors, uh, <clears> but we have two, uh, two formats, if you want, for, for this pastry. Obviously, we have the cylinder shape, which is the original but we also have a little more uh, modern version of it uh, in a cone shape mm-hmm. so during summertime we fill them with uh, with fresh fruits and ice cream which is uh, yeah, the bomb cool. guys yeah. honestly it's crazy and now just last week uh, i came out with the winter menu which is uh, uh, a hot filling of either apple or cherry uh, with whipped cream on top yeah oh so my yeah. god oh my god guys so if you've ever been, okay. What's
0: really cool about his place is that he changes it up according to the seasons, right? So yeah. winter, you're gonna find uh, the hot apples and uh, cherries, and winter and summer, you would find ice cream and different toppings. That's really cool too. So you get
1: the like, f- you know, depending on when you come during yeah. the year, you get to taste. For sure, we had to adapt. You know, we're in, yeah. we're in Quebec. For example, my my hmm. competitors in the in the, in Toronto, uh, maybe they changed it, but as far as i know uh, they they have the the ice cream all all winter long for sure winter is not as harsh in in, in, in toronto but uh, we had to change it up here yeah. in quebec uh, you know uh, 5 6 months of winter so we had to to put uh, some comfort, you know, in the into winter. Edition. Did you first realize that on your first winter, or was it did it take you time to realize that? I would say it was uh, our first winter uh, festival uh, that we did it was a little Christmas market in, uh, well I say little, but there it was uh, 500,000 people who attended <laughs> in like a, a month. Uh, it was our first, uh, like I said, winter festival Christmas market at uh, Illumi, mm-hmm. uh, right beside the 15, the first edition. And uh, we did that for almost 55 days. And for sure, before that, I had to come up with a new idea. Um, you know, the ice cream and the fruits, uh, people are were already doing it. I saw in Europe, I saw it in uh, uh, in Toronto, for example. But uh, really with a hot feeling, I I don't want to say we're the first, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't see any anybody doing with a hot feeling uh, before. before. Crazy, us. huh? I think David just identified certain weaknesses and he just,
0: He offered a different, a different product according to what he saw that was missing. And I think that's uh, really important for all entrepreneurs is to, is to focus on what is missing and how can you offer it differently if you want to out compete your competitors. Absolutely. Um, so we can see that you're very young. How old are you, David? I'm 26. 26. We can see that David is, is very young for an entrepreneur, right? Um, what lessons did you learn starting off so young? Because it's not easy. You started your business during, what, 22? I was 20. Yeah, I started, you know, looking, researching, I would say 21. 21. Yeah. And it was, I remember even me at that time, I was his friend, right? I was 25, 26, I was starting off my own business. And I was telling him, man, you know, you should wait a bit. Like, you're really young, you know. Uh, but he was so, like, you know, he was so, like, unfearful. And he was just so committed that you end up opening it up and now he's having great success but i know it wasn't easy at first because you're so young so tell me about uh, what lessons uh, you learned in that
1: process well for sure uh, you know it wasn't my first business as per se like it was my first real business like real in the sense of you know uh, registering it you know all the, the the back-end taxes and paperwork and everything but for that for sure I, I i tried you know different different businesses you know you name it uh, multi-level marketing selling stuff online things like that that you know didn't work out or even business ideas i had uh, but i didn't really act on it mm-hmm. uh, because it's something it's 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 something you know, saying that you're gonna do something, but then act differently. But really, All uh, Sweet was really the, one of my first big projects that I, you know, I said, okay, I'm gonna do this, and uh, and um, I'm doing it. So really, I would say, uh, big first big uh, lesson. I would say perseverance for sure, mm-hmm. um, and I think it goes in hand in hand with uh, with discipline uh, for sure. You know, at the beginning, especially. Uh, Sometimes you have to make sacrifices, you know. Uh, I was I, I worked that whole summer for for my machines, for my equipment, um, at the at the flower shop. So, yeah, perseverance. I think another lesson that's uh, often uh, often disregarded. Uh, yeah, disregarded is uh, is showing respect, uh, showing respect to 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 other people, and showing just you know, normal everyday respect c- c- could get you a long way. Like an example i was um, I was opening my first uh, credit line at the bank and um, and I remember I was so stressed and that lady I was so like you know polite with her and and uh, we laughed we talked a little bit you know from of her her family and everything and she was so nice i remember I was I was doing maybe like fifteen thousand that that year at the flower shop, and you know I, I remember she wrote in something like thirty I was making thirty thousand oh, wow. so, so I could get my you know credit line because i, I I talked to her about my business and my plans and and she she really you know connected with me and uh, you know uh, I think that's that 's pretty important you know uh, showing respect right. to people um, then what else what else um, discipline you know patience patience mm-hmm. is uh, uh, like we talked about it, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, you know me, I'm 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 pretty impatient uh, yeah. person, yeah. but that's that's something I had to to really uh, work on, especially at the beginning. Uh, like I said, I wanted everything now, and I think it's a big it's, it's a big thing with our generation, like you said, yeah. uh, we have everything at the click of a thumb, so um, patience is something. Uh, I heard another podcast actually talking about patience. They they talked about aggressive patients because something, it's something you know patients when you, you just wait for something to, to happen but aggressive patients you have to you know go out there putting in the actions and um, you know doing it even when you don't feel like doing it right. So um, that's that's really something uh, I learned early on.
0: Aggressive patience, that's very interesting, where it's important to be patient, but it's also important to strike when that's the moment right. it arrives. Yeah. Um, so you spoke about discipline, patience, consistency. Those are the three things, that um, the lessons that you learned. Uh, and it's not easy lessons, right? Those are all lessons that you learn with time. But even when we were younger and me getting to know David, I always known that he was very... Disciplined and consistent because the how did we became good friends in the process of being co- colleagues is because I used to train people on the side Yeah, and I remember making him a, a workout program and him following it So much to the T that till this day is one of the best results I've ever had and he's up in my wall into my gym. I have like a, a wall of fame I call it they were like people's best results. I put him on the wall and it's crazy how some people still today tell me wow like this is crazy transformation, how did this kid get so big? And you know, and it was like, just consistency, effort, and discipline. That's all it took, like it didn't, I just told him, follow this to a T and you'll get results. And that's exactly what he did. And he had results. And I think it's crazy because like, the reason why I'm in the business that I am is because I see a a connection with somebody discovering, somebody putting in the hours physically into their bodies and then realizing, oh man, if I put in the same work, on my body that I do in my business or my life relationships or just everything in life, then I'll have success. And that's exactly what happened to you. I think Absolutely. you had a realization that moment. I like, Holy shit. Like yeah. when I set my mind to something, I can you defy the, the odds. Yeah, exactly. Cause I think a lot of people, especially younger people, cause David's not a, he's not a large guy. Now he's, he's getting larger because he's become more and more of a man. But at the time you were really thin, right? Absolutely, and you're a smaller bone kid. And I remember I remember like people telling me, "Oh, do you think he could get bigger? Do you think he could get big? And I was like, "Yeah, definitely. If he puts in the work, yeah." yeah. And he and he what you, what you took 20 you took like 55 25 pounds yeah. in how much time? In about uh, 4 months. 4 months, guys. That's insane. You are free to yeah. take 25 pounds in 4 months of 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 just weight, okay? Body mass weight, okay, but the fat in there also. Yeah, for sure. Is uh, is very 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 impressive. Um so what would you say to anybody who wants to start the business, but think they are too young? Because I'm sure there's going to be some people, certain younger people are going to listen to our podcast, and they have amazing ideas, yet they're like, ah, I don't know, they're scared, they're this, they're that, people telling them, otherwise maybe their parents telling them, no, you shouldn't. What would you give them as advice? Like,
1: how would you prep them, you know? How would you? Well, for sure, you know, I was, in my situation, I was really lucky with, uh, with my parents, because they always, you know, always supported me in everything I did. Um, so, but I, w- I would say, you know, just start doing it, uh, you know, it's as, as cringy as it's, it, mm-hmm. as it sounds, you know, age is just a number, right. but, you know, I think that's the big advantage, uh, as a young age, at a young age is that, uh, if you, if you mess up, you know, you, you still have time, you, yeah, you, you, for you sure. it's, a, it's a learning process and, uh, you know, it, I think it's it's uh, it's very important to start at a young age actually to to try different things to see what you what you like uh like i didn't know that i'm going to like you know baking pastries and it's not only baking pastries for me it's also you know showing a part of my culture right uh, sure. here in quebec and um you know i never in a million years thought i would i would sell uh, sell pastries or start a, a pastry shop uh, as a business mm-hmm. but um really uh I think at a young age, you have the biggest risk tolerance. Right, Uh, for sure. You're not going to lose your house, your your (laughs) car. You're not going to put your your family in in, in danger uh, (laughs) if if your business doesn't work out. So I think it's the best moment to to start for anyone. I like what you said, David, about... Just start doing it. Like it's
0: three simple words, but have so yeah. much meaning. It's like you can contemplate all day, you can dream about it, you can fantasize about it. But if you don't start putting in the work physically, yeah. then nothing is gonna happen, you know. So I think it's very important for people that are younger that want to start business, even people even people that are older, right? That want to start yeah. a business, like just start doing it. And I think people are so scared of failure. And I will tell you something, no matter how much failure you have know that you only have one life. So like just go hundred percent. Like yep. if you fail, you fail. Doesn't matter. You're young. You can, you know, even if you're older, it doesn't matter. What's, what's the biggest risk money at the end of the day, you're not going to leave with your money, you know? Absolutely. So I just, I loved what you said about start doing it. And also your risk tolerance. Like if you're younger, you have a lot more risk tolerance. Right, you can invest a lot more money, and if it doesn't work out, well, you have another eighty years to to get you know to Absolutely. get it back. Right? Um, perfect. So, what is the best aspect, David, in your opinion, about owning your own business? Because some people maybe listening to this podcast and saying, "Well, I love business, but I will never own my business." What for you, seeing that you're so young? What is the best aspect in your opinion of owning your own business?
1: Well I think uh, it's really what i I saw after before before starting my business is uh, I really didn't want to work at a job that it's uh, it's always the same day to day um, so I think that's really the biggest aspect for me is that every day you have new challenges yeah. every day you you continue learning uh, that's why it was really important for me to be a uh, uh, on the production side in mm. in my pastry shop for for at least a year and being there day to day to see um, to see how the the routine's gonna fold out and um, to see what are the problems what are the challenges what are the the you have to you have to get through so I would say really um, you you never have the same day uh, twice you know yeah
0: for sure I like what you said
1: about um
0: about new challenges and always learning. If you're looking for something that's dynamic and you're always learning, it's definitely owning your own business because either it's it's just, you know, either it's money management, either it's new line products, either it's, uh, you know, um, new ways of doing things, uh, people management, all these different aspects, marketing, all these different aspects that maybe at first you're like, I don't know how the hell I'm gonna do this, I don't know how I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna... But now that you, you you get into it, well, you learn all these different aspects. That makes it more interesting than maybe working a traditional 9-to-5.
1: But now all 9-to-5s, right, is, is is boring. There are some of them that are more dynamic. Than absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't have anything uh, no, no, against a 9-to-5. Sure. And, you know, uh, I think some people uh, need that stability in their life. And, you know, uh, there's there's that meme on the internet that you start a business so you don't have to work anymore, but then you end up working, working uh, more. Anymore. So it's... Uh, it's it's that's that's a big challenge with owning a business as well is uh, you you don't really have necessarily that balance uh, in your in your day-to-day life you know with family with friends but you you learn to you learn to balance everything out. Uh, at the end balancing is is hard I'm an entrepreneur it's very hard even me and him like we're good friends
0: and we see each other what once every second month one month and it's it's just crazy because time flies by and you can't catch back time you know I always think about that I'm always like am I working too much am I investing the time in the right things because there's a difference between happiness and success and success doesn't translate necessarily to happiness a lot of people are successful they own they're worth millions but they're not necessarily happy and I think if you own millions and you're not happy then you've made a mistake somewhere down Absolutely. the line, right? Um, so we spoke about all suite Now we know that you at your shop. What is the next step in your business?
1: <sighs> next step, next step. It like... could be a smaller step. You yeah. know, it has to be like, yeah. you know, uh, but uh, what is the next step in the old suite uh, business? I would say, uh, like I said, now I'm on the production uh, every day. So now i would say my my biggest challenge uh, moving forward would be uh, you know to to stepping back from the day-to-day production uh, operations and really focus on just developing the business because sometimes if i'm every day on the production i have less time on the marketing aspects on the social media and everything um so i really have to to focus more on that and I think it's going to be a big challenge because uh like i said i'm, I'm someone who's really a uh, perfectionist so uh, you know giving out the work is sometimes hard for me so i still i'm still working on that you know uh delegating uh to other people and uh that was a big learning curve with uh with my current even my current employees i, I wanted to to do everything but you can never do everything no. in a in a business so um really the next step would be you know to to hire somebody to replace me on the production uh, and maybe you know they're gonna they're gonna even maybe you know show me improve my recipe you know yeah, if, I, sure. if, I, if i hire a baker or something so you never know uh, but it's it's again it's really exciting uh, that new step um and i would like to like i said develop the, the business maybe open restart uh, the festivals mm-hmm. that we really enjoyed and um, you never know, second, third, uh, old suite uh, near you. <laughs> Brad, perfect. Well, listen, if you open one in Laval, I'll bring all my clients. <laughs>
0: um, perfect. Um, David, next question. Now, if you had a chance to talk to your younger self, okay, what did you learn now in the later years that you would have taught your, your younger self before starting? So, in other words... What would you say to a younger David starting his business that you know now that probably you didn't know beforehand? Uh,
1: well, we talked about uh, patience for mm. sure. Uh, I was certainly lacking patience at the, at the beginning. Um, I would also say, you know, uh, showing confidence uh, because you certainly needed at, at an early stage of your business, um, you know, being young, and uh, starting a business it's it can be an advantage uh as in people's gonna really support you at the beginning uh, they see you that you're young you know you're putting it yourself out there so they're gonna for sure support you uh but at the same times some people cannot take you really seriously like when i was when i was uh, looking for my uh for my actual spot on on, on rachel i did maybe five six other other spots that you know they were they were all happy to to talk with me and uh, by on email and when they would see me that i'm so young and uh, i i look even younger uh they were maybe a little afraid to 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 rent their space to me so uh for sure uh, it taught me to to show confidence as well and i think as a when you have employees, when you have you know clients as in your as in your case, if you don't show confidence um especially at the beginning uh you know your your leadership can can be questioned questioned for sure so um people gonna listen to you, they're going to follow you if if uh, and support you if you if you show confidence for sure at the beginning, and um also I would say um, not being afraid to, to ask for help. You know, I was, I was somebody who, who, uh, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to do everything alone. Uh, but people around me would offer me their help. And before I started, you know, accepting it, uh, (coughs) I was, I was really, uh, really just, I wanted to do everything myself. And, not being afraid to ask questions for sure of people who, who, who done and been on your path. Uh, like your, your, your brother can tell you, Ruben, I went to see him a couple of times about different questions, um, about their business, um, that I can translate it into mine. So really not always being curious about, uh, about others, uh, what they did.
0: Mm -hmm. I like what you said about, Confidence, patience, but also not be scared to ask for help, and, and I think that's a problem with most businesses, because either we think ourselves to be too high and say we don't need help from anyone, but also it, it you know it's it's not easy to ask for help, especially when you're an entrepreneur when you when you have that drive, to you know we have a high compete level. You yep. know what I mean and. If it wasn't for the high compete level, you wouldn't have a business. Yet, you're still asking for help to your competitors, right? Because you still wanna learn and you wanna integrate what you're learning, what they learned and you integrate in your business. Uh, Also about confidence, confidence in your product, okay? It's very important to have that confidence and and I know it's not easy, especially when you're you're launching a new product like yourself, right? Where that nobody has ever tasted, people take it for granted, like, oh, what is what is this? Well, it's crazy that you launching your own product and you're like, listen, this is really good tasted. And people taste like, wow, you know, but you have to have that confidence that maybe it's not easy at first, but now that you've gained that experience and confidence also comes with time, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, when you start something, you never be as confident as five. Like I have clients sometimes that, you know, at uh, beginning when I started my business, and I'm relating to what David is saying. When I started my business, I was very like, if a client didn't show up more than a week at the gym, I would be crying and be like, oh, I'm not doing a good job as a gym owner. And then he would tell me, no, it's you're doing an amazing job. It's just, I'm the one that's being undisciplined. I'm the one that, you know, uh, have family problems at home or I'm the one that, you know, is overworked and stuff like that. So sometimes like even... When it comes time to crit, you know for critique, take it positively Absolutely. and don't think automatically that your product or you as a person is the problem. Maybe yeah. it's the other person, yeah. the problem, right? Because
1: the truth the truth is that you can you know uh, you can't satisfy everybody. No. You have to take that eighty mm-hmm. percent of the people who, who really enjoy their product, your product, and uh, you know make sure to satisfy them hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. uh, because that's really the, the the clients who are gonna come back month after month, years after years. And, uh, you know, also talk about your product because right. that's really important, especially as a, new, as a new business, as a new product that you're bringing to the market is that um, people talk about it, you know, word of mouth is the, the most, most important marketing. For sure.
0: David, uh, Oh, before last question, okay? Who is your inspiration role model in life and why? Oof.
1: I would say for sure, uh, for sure, my parents. You know, uh, both of them. I think I, 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 I took some some good, uh, some good traits from both yeah. of them. You know, they're both really hardworking. Um, my dad is more like a, a little bit of a realist uh, mm-hmm. in life. My my mom, she's more more like a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think both combined uh, in me, it's a, it's a it's a good combination, and uh, they really showed me, especially. Uh, Uh, with immigrating here, you know, trying their, their own business, uh, that, you know, you don't have to be afraid and just, you know, just try different things and it might fail, it might work out, but uh, at the end, uh, the most important is that you try it, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And for those of you that know or don't know David's parents are absolute joys of life. They're the nicest individuals, uh, I've ever met. And if you, if you hang out with David for a while, if you just go to a shop, grab uh, his, one of his pastries and you talk to him and get a chance to know him. He's one of the nicest individuals ever and it comes from a solid foundation which is yes. your parents. Thank you. Um, now, last question. Bonus question. If you're a wrestler and you're coming out to the ring,
1: what would be your coming out song? Man, that's, that's a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> I would say um, Highway to Hell from ACDC. Uh, that's a good beginning. you know. Uh, or maybe something more like old school, like uh, Ice Cube, you know. Ice you really Cube. I really enjoy Ice Cube, yeah.
0: Perfect. David, uh, my last comments before finishing this podcast. Um, like I mentioned before, me and David have been good friends now for, for a little while. I've always been impressed by his his maturity, even at a, at a younger age than me. Uh, instantly, I think we, we, we clicked right away because we had similar values. I think we were brought up a lot of the same ways Absolutely. people that know my parents or know david's parents are probably going to say the same thing uh you know at first when we were young and talking about our, our futures and what we want as businesses i don't think lots of people believed in us or at least lots of people did believe in us but you know a lot of people talk but they don't do and it's fun to see now his progression as an individual not only in his business but also his, his maturity and how it's impacted you know everything around him, in in going from just starting at festivals not owning his own shop and continuing on so David I want to thank you so much not only for 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 everything you you've done but for the person that you are and continue to inspire old and young <laughs> and thank you so much for coming to upgrade mentality sir. thank
1: you Brian uh, honestly I want to say a word too. Uh, I'm really uh, I'm really honored to be here for uh, to be to be real with you man I like, like Brian said, he was really like a, a big brother uh, figure to me and I always look, looked up to him and he always really inspired me with his, uh, with his good, good vibes, his <laughs> good, uh, good energy. So you guys should really follow everything he does at, at full body and uh, with, uh, with the podcast Upgrade Mentality. Uh, you're, if you're not, man, you're really missing out on something because this, this guy is a really ball of energy. And uh, when you're around him, uh, he's going to really push you to your limits. And uh, I think uh, we all need a little, uh, a little sometimes. Huh? Yeah, thank <laughs> you.
0: I appreciate that, guys. If uh, you're not following the podcast Upgrade Mentality, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, and all major platforms for podcasting. Full Body Athletics, you can follow on Instagram, fullbody__athletics. On Facebook, Full Body Athletics. On YouTube, Full Body Athletics. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Episode number nine is a wrap. Enjoy your day, guys. Ciao. Ciao. One, two.